0: On Friday evening in 2018, I accompanied the police, as I do as their chaplain. I knew I would not make it to the 5 p.m. briefing briefing, and said that I would be arriving at 5.30. I was warmly greeted by the inspector. And we chatted for a while before he called the acting sergeant out of the parade room.
1: It was John, who I'd been with the previous month.
0: And Ricky asked John if I could buddy up with someone who might mutually benefit from the experience. And Jim was proposed. John returned to the parade room and said, Jim, you'll be accompanied by the chaplain tonight. Standing in the corridor, I didn't hear Jim's response. Or maybe it was the look upon his face. But I did hear a female officer say, no, he's a really nice guy. No pressure here. I listened attentively to conversations before teaming up with him, hoping to find something to engage in fruitful conversations during our nine-hour shift. What was to do with a future event in Shruton? It caught my attention. Real ale and Cider. I asked what his favourite was. Surely a big burly police officer would drink real ale. No, it was cider. His favourite being mango. As for the event, it was to celebrate 100 years of Stonehenge being given to the National Trust English Heritage. And then there was going to be a cricket match. And I thought, cricket? Why cricket? And I wished I could phone a friend, Ben. I thought this is going to be a long evening. A few minutes later, his phone rang. It was Ten C singing Dreadlock Holiday. I don't like cricket. Oh, no. It was the club's chairman. A pilot who had just bought himself a soft top e, uh, F-type Jag. We found him and his son at Solstice Park. And they talked about cricket, and I talked to the son about cars. At least I could talk about cars. It soon dawned on me, this was their fellowship. A mutual engagement and a shared interest. Sometimes I think we think, today is all about fellowship. We meet here to engage in worship, praise, and adoration. Yes. And we enjoy a cuppa afterwards. But really, this is church. We are the church to praise and petition to God. And hopefully to listen and to be challenged by God's word upon our lives. So what is fellowship? Fellowship is what we do outside of Sunday. It's when we meet other believers for coffee. It is entertaining others of faith in our homes. It's joining together in a home group and looking into God's Word, sharing our life's experiences. Scripture tells us in Acts 2.42, and that would be the passage I should have read earlier. They, the first converts, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to their fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. This summarizes the churches in our life and reappears in chapters 3 to 6 of Acts. These new believers were hungry, hungry to learn the teachings of Jesus and the stories shared by the apostles. Fellowship was the common life or partnership, which meant not only meeting together, but attending to each other's needs. The breaking of bread was probably the Lord's Supper, and prayer characterized the community's life. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Spirit of Discipline, says, In fellowship, we engage in common activities of worship, study, Prayer, celebration, and service. Now that perfectly describes the activities of the disciples and new believers. Yet in spite of this clear teaching, many people feel that they do not need to be part of a Christian fellowship, a church. And many
1: cannot find the time for a home group. How
0: times have changed. I can go back to the 80s, where there was both a morning and evening service with a children's group meeting in the afternoons. Even at our time in Romsey, once a month there were three services with a traditional service for the elderly. And occasionally it was necessary to write essays on top of these services. And I've since told the minister in training at Romsey to ensure that he doesn't take three services as well as do essays. But tell me this, why do we not see the importance of attending home groups? Why do we not want to learn and grow? I guess it is the same reason as why many do not attend church as much as we used to. Busyness of life, having to work on Sundays, our children's activities seem to be the main answers. And we can use those as
1: examples. However, I would say, it's because we don't want to. We appear to have lost our first love.
0: The time when we first met with Jesus and wanted more of this new lifestyle and joy, this overflowing peace and passion for wanting more, So how do we get back on track?
1: How do we relight the fire and rekindle our relationship with Christ? This is what I said in Acts
0: 2.42. They, the first converts, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. However, this time, did you notice the words,
1: devoted themselves. You see, that's what we need to do. Who remembers Olivia Newton-John, totally
0: devoted to you? We need to be totally devoted to God. Totally devoted to Jesus. Totally devoted to each other. So how are we going to do that? Let me start by reminding you of the words Rod read to us in Isaiah 58. If you refrain from trampling the Sabbath, from pursuing your own interests on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight in the holy day of the Lord honourable, if you honour it not going your own ways, serving your own interests, or pursuing your own affairs, then you will take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride upon the heights of the earth. Now while Isaiah 58 is about true fasting, there is so much more here for us to
1: understand and apply. This passage
0: flows from the previous one about grieving and mourning. As fasting is a kind of ritual mourning. And from early times, it was associated with bereavement, repentance, and prayer. Moses described fasting only in connection on the Day of Atonement. But fasts were also proclaimed in times of natural emergency. An example would be the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple in 587 BC, which gave rise to regular fast days to mark these terrible events these fast days were impressive solemn occasions which were good in itself but it was also dangerous
1: why? you see it created an impression of
0: religiousness which was far often far removed from the real situation there were those who acted and fasted and others who truly Meant it. There were those who overacted this event into self righteousness, saying, Look at me! So, therefore, in one verse, we as church leaders are told to speak to God's people about their sins and challenge them with the ongoing need for repentance. Yes, it is painful, and you can lose friends. But if you don't, you lose credibility and integrity. You see, the witness you give as a believer is ineffective and worthless if you do anything that perverts the truth about genuine Christianity. In other words, so if there's anything that you are doing or saying that is not right in God's eyes,
1: Those around you who you witness to, what do they see? They don't see Christ. They see someone who's trying to do things in their own strength. And if that's you or me, then we need to repent. So
0: having exposed that wrong fasting comes as a description of fasting and of... sorry. And that fasting can be truly there for
1: God. We need to take on board what is necessary for our daily lives to be true followers of Christ. You see, through this act of fasting, through this comes self-denial. And through that, our giving, we lay down our lives. You see, that's the only true repentance that counts with God. But it's also how we treat others. We are called to serve God here
0: on earth. We are his tools to continue the work that Jesus started. We are all included in this task to equip and encourage each other and to serve each other and our community. You see, God has a work for you. Sadly, Christianity in England has become a spectator sport. You go on Sunday, you sit, you watch the minister, listen, sing, hear the band, I wish. We get our fix up of prayers and praise that keep us going for a week. And maybe we even think, I've done my
1: bit. But no.
0: It's not about us. It's about serving others. You see, every believer in Jesus Christ is a minister and priest before God. And every member is a believer meant to be functioning in the body of Christ with a God-given ministry to fulfill. I am sure if a visitor asked you, who is your minister, you would say, it's Barry, the good looking one and modest one over there. But what you should say is, which minister do you have in mind? We have about 90 to 100 here this morning. And if you were asking, who is it we support? Who is it that helps with our full-time ministry here of encouragement and shepherding the flock? Then yes, that would be me.
1: But there are many in this church.
0: This room is full of other ministers who serve in other ways. It could be refreshments, cleaning, teaching our youth, encouraging others. It could be prayer warriors. There are so many different ministers in this church. You could be an ideal host for families, over meals, befriending people. The list is endless. William Barclay said, Ministry is a sacred trust from God to each individual which each person must obey and for which that person must give an account. If God has called you to himself,
1: then he has called you to serve.
0: His orders to you as to how and where he wants you to serve is between you and him, the commander-in-chief.
1: We are all under orders to serve and to please him. Not for pats on the back. Our ministry is for building into the lives of people.
0: And that's worth repeating. Our ministry is people building into the lives of people who build into the lives of people.
1: 2 Timothy 2 verses 1 to 2
0: says, You then, my child, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard through my many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach to others as well. Paul uses the word entrust. And what he is saying to Timothy is, I entrust to you, and I want you to entrust to others. The process is to multiply. Where a more mature Christian is to share wisdom to a younger person so that person can grow to maturity and repeat the process.
1: Can you now see the importance of home groups? If we were to turn back to 1 Timothy
0: 118, we would see that Paul involved himself within the process with Timothy he calls my son. Literally my child. Not biological, but spiritual. Home groups help us to open up and share
1: our lives with others. But it would be wrong
0: of me not to issue a warning here. For any form of ministry is a long fight. We are in a spiritual warfare. And the word fight signifies a campaign, not a single battle. I hadn't realized I'm using words that the guys did here. If I was to change the metaphor, it is a marathon race, not a hundred-yard dash.
1: We know the enemy is constantly on our backs trying to trip us up and get us to drop out.
0: We all know the parable of the sower and those seeds that are to serve the Lord faithfully. We must acknowledge that we are in for a long haul and it's not going
1: to be easy. You've
0: been a believer for a long time. You've seen those who get excited about ministry and burnout. Others get excited until problems hit
1: and then they quit. Others fall when they receive criticism, and you will. Some expect instant
0: results and get discouraged when it doesn't happen, while others get excited but don't receive any training and run dry after a little while. You see, all these problems could be solved if we realize that ministry to which God has called us is a lifelong campaign against a powerful enemy.
1: But the one we serve
0: and act as ministers to is a loving and powerful God who seeks to equip and power and empower us. A God who is faithful
1: and someone you can trust and rely on. 1.45
0: 1.45 a.m., my new burly police friend turned to me and said, if anything's about a off, it is now. So I suggest you go back to the station. Last night we finished at 4 a.m. He said, I've really enjoyed your company. And I told him it was mutual. We shook hands, and he returned
1: back to the closing nightclub.
0: I hope he saw something different in me something that he didn't expect a religious person to be like. I hope he will share some of our conversations with his cricket chairman and police
1: colleagues. Since that first time, Jim has been a really good friend and has shared with me many things, and I with him. 1 John four seventeen says, Beloved,
0: let us love one another, because love is from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God, but God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this
1: way. God sent his only Son into the
0: world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Beloved, since God loved us so much, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God.
1: If we love one another, God lives in us, and his
0: love is perfected in us. By this we know We abide in him and him in us, because he has given us of his Spirit. And we have seen and do testify that the Father has sent his Son as the Savior of the world. God abides in those who confess that Jesus is the Son
1: of God. And they abide in God. So we have known and believed the God who loves us. God is love. Those who abide in love abide in God. And God abides in them. So in closing, we are to engage in church together.
0: A fellowship outside of the church with others. To serve one another and be ministers to others. To follow the teachings of Jesus. And live them out in our daily lives for others to see. And to love one another as God loves
1: us. I pray from today that our love for each other will multiply.
0: That our serving our community will bless many. And our witness will separate us from those in the world. And make an impression on others.